When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. Thanks for your company for a brand new week right here on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, wherever you've got us on the SEN app. Hope you had a great long weekend, a busy one for me. Lots of sport to digest. Partly cloudy today, a top of 29 degrees in the city of Sydney and 33 in our west. I'm going to give you your sporting fix on this Monday morning, but also pose some sporting questions to you, in particular around cricket, test cricket, the West Indies performance, the series itself. Some big questions, I reckon, for us to ponder this morning. In the NFL that's underway, the Kansas City Chiefs have a 10-point lead over the Baltimore Ravens. So the AFC Championship match is into the third quarter and the Chiefs 17-7 as they look to go into another Super Bowl. San Francisco 49ers against the Detroit Lions coming up in uh, about an hour and a half's time. So let's see what happens here between the Ravens and the Chiefs. We'll keep you across that as we head towards Super Bowl 58 on the February uh, Sunday, February 11 at Allegiant Stadium. What's coming up this morning? Barat Sundarayson has been following, of course, the great storylines that have come out of the West Indies win from yesterday up there at the Gabba and the series so far as we now go into the ODIs. But the Windies have won their first test in Australia since 1997. It was absolutely got to be there. Watch it be glued to your TV screens. Now, weirdly enough, there's a bit of a change in the TV ratings as of today. And they won't, they won't come out until later on this morning. We used to get them at about 9 o'clock. And they won't now come out until later on this morning. And they've jiggled it around. It's all internal stuff. But... There'll be big numbers, I reckon, that end up watching that and they now take into account more accurately, hopefully, um, streaming, video on demand, all of that kind of stuff. Very different story at the Gabba itself. My first question was, where did everyone go? I mean, two, the first two days, great crowds, but then everyone disappeared. <laughs> would, would, did they just think that the test was going to peter out? Did they have more to do in Brizzy on the Sunday Afternoon, or they just not interested. At the end of the day, we got a thrilling final, thrilling finish to that one, an amazing outcome. But a couple of questions, which we'll get to in just a second. Barat will join me very, very soon. Brett Phillips, as we wrap up the Australian Open of 2024, Yannick Sinner, that's incredible. What he did last night and what he's done through this tournament is absolutely incredible. And we speak so often about momentum on this program. Momentum's great when you've got it. But there's always somebody there to try and stop it. And last night, Daniil Medvedev couldn't stop it. Medvedev has been out there for long, long, long matches. That's right, more than 24 hours on court. Yannick Sinner, on the way to the final, dropped one set, and that was against Novak. Talk about being hot. He finished 2023 like that. He started 2024 as a major winner. And the big question now is... What's next? We know Alcaraz is there. Sinner's been knocking on the door. 
the next generation is coming through and Medvedev, whilst he's cracked it once, should have cracked it more times. He's now one and six in Grand Slam finals. Arena Sabalenka breezed through hers in the end. Kind of a non-event. There wasn't much drama around that one. She just rolled on through to claim her second Australian Open title. So BP will give us the wash-up. And Ben Damon from Fox Sports and Main Event TV will join us as Tim Zhu locks in another fighter or his first fight in Las Vegas. Not a title fight, but Keith Thurman could well and truly open the doors to the world for Tim Zhu. Now, let's get into our sporting headlines and sporting questions this morning. I want you to be part of this on 0457 736 736 as I look up and see a replay of one of the Ravens players going over the sideline and taking out one of his teammates or somebody in the Ravens organisation and a couple of others, 17-7, the Chiefs lead. one 1170 is the open line number. Buy into this. So the Frank Worrell Trophy which has been an esteemed trophy that the West Indies and Australia have been fighting for for a long, long time, was already retained by Australia after the first test match. Yesterday, of course, a thrilling win by the West Indies. The series ends up drawn at one all. The Frank Worrell Trophy stays in Australian hands. However, when we get to the podium yesterday, the Windies going nuts, their massive celebrations... And then the Aussies come up and lift the trophy. And as Alison Mitchell, you would have heard in commentary on Seven and across radio, said a massive anticlimax when the Aussies were called up to lift the trophy. This isn't poo-pooing anything, by the way. So jump off the poo-poo train. <laughs> she said massive anticlimax when the Aussies get up there because the West Indies deserve to be on the podium to share it with them. And she poses the question, is it time to do away with retaining a series trophy? two-match series, at the end of the day, sport loves a winner. Somebody's got to be a winner. Well, we had a winner in the first test in Australia, a winner in the second test in the West Indies, and the overall trophy goes to those that have won it before. So is it time for us to look at this and go, why don't we do away with retaining a series trophy? Why do we need to be have a trophy retained? What's wrong with having a drawn series? In the Ashes, we've had 73 series. Australia have won 34, England have won 32, and seven have been drawn. The last two in England have been drawn. But, of course, Australia retains the Ashes, which is great. Somebody's got to have the trophy, according to law, as in L-O-R-E, law. That's the way it's always been. Someone's got to be a winner. Remember I told you that Crash Craddock from... News Limited pointed out a couple of weeks ago in one of his opinion pieces that maybe we look at what the Australian women have done in their series, in particular against India, where there's a cumulative points awarded for a series. I'd be open to that because we're now about to go into the ODI series with the Windies. And that would serve a couple of purposes. One, the Frank Worrell Trophy's still alive. So it adds more weight to the series that's about to come up. Don't you reckon? And it avoids the, the anti-climax that we saw. And then someone's a winner at the end of it. So it, it is decided on a point series. I'm open to that, but I'm open to your opinions on it as well. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Or give us a call this morning, 1300 01 1170. If you want to challenge that, challenge it. 
If you're okay with a retaining of a trophy, let me know. But why? And what about cumulative points for series? It works for our women's teams. And what do you think about former players, Aussies, who are especially in commentary, who celebrate emotional wins like yesterday for the opposition? You would have seen it and heard it already, especially if you were on social media or you watched the coverages that we had Aussies in commentary boxes who shared the delight of the people that they're commentating with. The West Indian greats who sat there with tears in their eyes and got all emotional about it, which is absolutely fine. But not if you're a former Australian skipper. Have a listen to Tim Payne this morning. I, I get it from a fan's point of view. It annoys me when I hear past players commentating and almost barracking. I find that oh, really hard to listen to. Tim, that was superb it was. yesterday. It was awesome for the West Indies. It was not great for Australia. No, it wasn't great. It wasn't but... a great performance. And I don't like... I just don't like it. It feels a bit uncomfortable. It's like, why are you barracking against your team that you played in? It's a fair question, and it's a question that you're allowed to ask, especially when it comes from a former captain's perspective, somebody who's been in there, and that's the competitor coming out in Tim Payne. So, and he's now in the media, so he knows what it's like now, but... He wasn't sitting there next to a former West Indian great who's been through the mill, who's watched it all and celebrates it with him or her because of the, the absolute jubilation that comes from those that you're sitting next to. So I, I get both sides of this one, but I think that this comes down to, I reckon there's a clear thought process from former players and especially a former Australian skipper who defends his team no matter what and goes, no, stuff it. We didn't win the test match. If you're an Aussie, you shouldn't be celebrating. And then I get those because I've worked with people like this who celebrate those that they're working with. Very different scenario. But you can let me uh, know your thoughts on that. 0457 736 736. What do you think about former players celebrating opposition wins? So it's their first win, West Indies, in Australia since 1997 and their first test win against Australia since 2003. They ticked all the boxes yesterday in the most unlikeliest of wins. Did Australia look a little bit fatigued? Perhaps. Yep. Were they outplayed? Well, they were out Shamar Joseph. We know that much. <laughs> this guy's come out swinging. And he said that he'll continue to play test cricket no matter how much money they throw at me in T20 cricket. Cricket. I say let's watch and see. Wait and see. <laughs> let's watch this space on that one. So should we be focusing more here on an incredible victory by the West Indies and celebrating it? Or should we be asking the questions, what happened to the Australian team in this one? Where did that winning mentality that swept all before them go? Everything was there in place. They just couldn't get the job done in the heat in Brisbane. Did Paddy Cummins make a mistake by declaring early on day three? At the end of it, what was it, eight runs? So you could argue the toss on that one. Is the Steve Smith, Cameron Green scenario working for you? Well, Steve Smith answered that yesterday, and I reckon so too did Cam Green, who, by the way, came into this with COVID, remember? So they had all sorts of curveballs thrown at them, but there are still plenty of questions, I reckon, for us to ask. And don't worry... They'll be sitting around asking them. The Australian team aren't going to wake up this morning after losing that test match and go, well, that's great for test cricket. Awesome. We played our part. No, no, no. They're going to go, what the heck happened? 
Why did we lose that test match? And who needs to be held accountable for it? If you've got those questions, let me know this morning as we approach quarter past nine uh, right here on 11.70 a.m. in Sydney. Meanwhile, talk about a double whammy for a cricket fan in Australia. The Windies beat us and then England beat India (laughs) in the first test in Hyderabad. An update there thanks to Edgewater Homes, build with confidence. England won by 28 runs. So India fall that margin short after having a lead of 190 after their first innings. And how's Tom Hartley? Well, Ollie Pope knocks out 196 in the second English innings with Ben Duck at 47. But Tom Hartley on debut, the left-arm spinner, who had two sixes taken off him in his first ever over in Test cricket in the first innings and could well have just put his tail between his legs in India, gets seven for in the second. Seven for 62. An outstanding performance. So at the Australian Open, after three hours and 44 minutes on court last night, Yannick Sinner comes back from two sets down in the final to come over the top again of Daniil Medvedev and claim his first Grand Slam title. He's only the third Italian male to win a major title in tennis history. The first... Nicola Pietrangeli, rather, won two, but that was in before the Open era. Adriano Panata won the French Open in 1976, so he's the first in the Open era, and now Sinner becomes the first Italian male to win the Australian Open. And for the first time since 2005, the winner is not from one of the S's, Serbia, Spain, or Switzerland. <laughs> so that's a fair old run that's come to an end. Medvedev played 24 hours and 17 minutes, including that second round 3.39 a.m. finish. But the most damning numbers or figures for Daniil Medvedev are these. He's now a three-time runner-up at the Australian Open. Andy Murray was, what, five? But he's a three-time runner-up at the Australian Open, and he's one for six in Grand Slam finals. He's been beaten by a 22-year-old who's been on the tear, But you wonder what the man who is number three in the world has got to do to take that next step into multiple major title territory. Meanwhile, Arena Sabalenka's there. Goes back-to-back, one without dropping a set the entire tournament. Her longest match in the two weeks was an hour and 42. That's a drive to work in Sydney. And that was the semi-final win over Coco Goff. She had two matches that were done and dusted within an hour and his shortest match was done within 52 minutes. We've spoken about anti-climaxes. I, I think that that was it. I mean, I watched that match on Saturday night. It didn't do a great deal for me in terms of drama or anything around it. It just seemed as though that was the way that it was going to uh, pan out. Zheng put up a, a good fight, 6-3, 6-2 in the end, and it was always going to be difficult for her. But Arena Sabalenka motors on through and Yannick Sinner is the champion in the men's after 2024. 18 minutes after 9 o'clock, 0457 736 736 is my text line number, or give me a call on 1300 01 1170 on the open line. The Kansas City Chiefs have a 17 points to 7 lead over the Ravens inside the final minute of the third quarter as they try and book another place in Super Bowl number 58 we're up to. Uh, Let's get to some of your text messages. Good morning to you, Matt. This is from Dino uh, from the Gong. Personally, I think both Cricket Australia and the captain need to focus on winning cricket games and stay the hell out of politics. Bunch of Muppets. Wow, that didn't take long. 
Dino, um, I don't think what the discussion around the Australia Day stuff had any bearing on, on what happened, Dino. I see where you're, where you're taking the argument straight away. But the fact of the matter is, you can sit around and, and try and link comments around Australia Day and all that kind of stuff, which are completely separate to what happens when they cross the white line and go, okay, what, was Shamar Joseph part of that? Was he part of that discussion? Did it make any difference to him? No. It was one of the great individual performances off the back of one of the great stories, which Barat will uh, focus on a little bit later on. So that's, that's the part here that they were, they were just out-jagged, out-zigged and out-zagged by the West Indian team. And wasn't it great to see the fight in the Windies? Because nobody saw it. Nobody saw it coming. I didn't. I thought that there'd be two things that had to play in that, in that second test. The weather, I thought, wouldn't let us get to the end of it. And I thought that the Windies would be horribly outplayed. Again. And they weren't. Because I wondered where the fight was going to come from. Well, it came from somewhere and they ended up getting the result. Dive in and let me know. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Like I said, let's pose some questions this morning. Put it all on the table and see if we can sift our way through it at 20 minutes after 9 o'clock.